travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Welcome to Talk Travel Asia, episode 90, Shopping Tips and Tricks in Asia. Shopping is one of the top reasons that many people travel, especially within Asia. Cities like Bangkok and Singapore have top attractions purely to shop until you drop, if that tickles your fancy. But whether you live to shop or not, most travelers love picking up some unique and local souvenirs along the way. Shopping is generally a part of most travel experiences. All across Asia, whether you're hunting for exotic antiques or just like exploring sprawling markets with knockoff t-shirts, we think it's worth its own episode. So here we are to share some of our shopping tips, experiences, and most regretted items purchased along the way. From Bangkok, this is Scott Coates, and with me from Phnom Penh, Cambodia is... Trevor Ranges. You always give me such wonderful introductions, Scott. I think maybe next week uh, I'll do the intro and roll it into you. But thank you to our sponsor, Hub Street Cocktails in Phnom Penh, Cambodia. Aside from just being a great place to eat, drink, and meet up with friends, Hub Street Cocktails is excited to announce their participation in the 2018 U.S. Foods Week here in Phnom Penh from December 1st to December 9th. To celebrate U.S. Foods Week, Hub Street has created four new menu items for the event utilizing imported U.S. ingredients. Curious as to what the new menu items are? Come on down to Hub Street to try the new dishes out, featuring a variety of ingredients from the USA, including California raisins. Hub Street Cocktails is located on Street 21, near the corner of Street 308 in the heart of Tonle Basak. 2018 U.S. Foods Week will be celebrated at many other distinguished restaurants in Phnom Penh, in addition to Hub Street, but come on down to Hub Street from December 1st to December 9th and try out their new menu items. If they're anywhere near as good as the menu items they typically serve, you're in for a real treat. So come on down to Hub Street Cocktails on the corner of Street 21 and 308 in Tonle Basak and celebrate U.S. Foods Week. I thought of this when I was on the airplane coming back from London and I hadn't slept in like 30 hours and I was laying down and I was like, how about a shopping episode just because like they have mm -hmm. duty free on the airplane you can't kind of get away from it and you think about it like you shop all the time for everything it's just a sure. regular part of your life um, yep. and little do little do people know i used to be a professional shopper of sorts yeah you were one of those secret shoppers for safeway right and you would go in and try and see what's going on and stuff and i gotta admit we've done a couple episodes now when first pitched uh, you pitched this one to me and I was like shopping, but then it seems as we start working on an outline on Google Docs, all of a sudden we've got a ton of stuff. So uh, I pitched one a while ago to you that you were kind of like, yeah, I don't know. And, and this was the same, but I think we've got some, some good stuff here. Right. And I find that, you know, I was more interested in shopping when I traveled earlier in my traveling career, which is probably, you know, normal things seem more unique also i think age when you're a little younger everything seems cool but i'm a little less keen and i don't buy certainly as much now how about you again you know i i like to purchase things um i don't know i move a lot so i, I recently moved to phnom penh and i've decorated my apartment with some pretty cool things i've, I've picked up here and there along the way and okay. uh i don't know it just depends I, I thought about it when i was thinking about this episode too like 
some people are like shopaholics. Like people are super serious about shopping, oh, and, and they sure just are. like. And, and there's so many opportunities here in Asia. Like there's something for sale at every turn. It's rolling down the street. It's set up on the sidewalk. There's these giant markets. So, uh, you know, I've become something of a, a professional shopper that I might not have been from my secret shopper Safeway days. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, just before we go any further, Trevor and I pay for this podcast, the editing, the hosting out of our very own little pockets, and we need some financial love. Go to patreon.com, type in Talk Travel Asia, and you can sponsor us at various levels from a dollar upwards. And at the end of this episode, we're going to give shout outs and thank yous to some of our recent sponsors. So thanks for that. Trevor, um, tell me what are kind of like your memories of some of your first shopping experiences in Asia? Um, I think I might have covered this story. It took place in Sumatra. So it might have been on like a Talk Travel Asia episode, uh, Tantalizing Travel Tales, maybe. Um, okay. And, and part of it was when I was at Lake Toba. And, uh, you know, when, you, when you're backpacking, I was in my 20s, um, you want to pick up stuff that's portable and you can bring along the way. Yeah. But mm-hmm. there's like this tribal village near Lake Toba that made these like shaman staffs and it was like a staff that was maybe like you know two and a half meters tall and it was carved like a totem you know with like all these like men and geckos and stuff like that and uh i was like oh my god i, I have to have one of these and, of course uh, yeah <laughs> even though there's no way it's gonna fit in my bag it came apart in three pieces but i went into the shop it was just on the side of a hill in the middle of nowhere um this dirt road that i'd been walking down and this woman came in from the fields when she saw me in the store and i don't know it's a really long haggling story i think it was on the talk uh, one of the travel uh, tales episodes but uh, it was my first serious haggling experience and i had to walk out of the shop and she went back to the rice field and i was like really you're not going to sell it to me she came back and we went through this dance for like oh, i don't know like 30 or 40 minutes um and and then i mailed it home and uh yeah great great experience i just uh, and i think it's when we get to the how to haggle here in a second like i think i was just naturally good at it because you have to be competitive but very affable at the same time it's kind of a dance yeah mm, yeah and it, it is a dance and you know I'm, I'm thinking of my first real memory and i think it was at the end of a year trip as a backpacker majority of time spent in australia and on my way back i could get off the plane in kl and i made my way up to kopanga because i'd heard of the parties and i was on the beach at sundown and there was this guy peruvian guy selling the ring in Copanga, Thailand, and it's a silver ring made in Mexico with really kind of unique 45 degree angles and a black center on a silver ring. And I remember we haggled for multiple evenings, and I'm still wearing it 24 years later. So it's uh, wow, yeah, good it's job. a good one. Yeah, that that when we get into talking about uh, when to buy things or not, uh, sometimes you, you land some things, and and I'll mention a couple throughout this episode that I bought so long ago, and they're just such great memories of the experiences we have in Asia. So uh, again, I think that's why uh, shopping is a cool episode. So uh, why don't we talk a bit about haggling then, Scott? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's no right, right way to do it. But you and I, I think, have come up with some pretty good things to keep in mind. And, and one I always think is just smile, be polite. And I've always found if someone isn't smiling or they get angry at you or raise their voice, it's it's their technique. They're trying to pressure you, right? Asians generally don't get mad or, or raise the tension. So whenever mm. people do that, you know, they're just having you on. So just be smile. Yeah, just be polite and smile. 
Well, I tend to like, if you like something, I mean, you don't want to be like, oh, I'm not interested in this. I'll buy it. Like, but you know, if you, uh, if you're friendly, I think you get a better deal. Absolutely. And it's just the way people are, are nice. And you know, the other thing I, I really think is it's, you know, haggling is, is like a game, right? We all get caught up on it. But the other side of the coin is it's not nice to get caught up on 50 cents. Like say 50 cents to us is really nothing, but to the vendor that can be all the profit or the, the difference between a good or bad day. So like, I think just getting the lowest price, it's not noble. You're not supporting locals. So don't let that become the biggest thing when you're out haggling. Yeah, you know, sometimes it is good to practice as well. Um, so sometimes, you know, if you get one of those not friendly people, just sort of like try and go back and forth a couple of times and then just be like, no, thank you and walk away. But like you'll get a better idea of like what price they would start at, you know, so you could have a lower price. Sometimes I just look at something and I'll think like, how much would I really want that for? And if I'm like, oh, it's about five, I'd pay five dollars for that. Then I'll say that. And, and sometimes they're like, yes. And I'm like, really? Oh, maybe I could have gone for three. But I'm happy that I got it for the price that I was willing to pay for it. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I, I think knowing your price is good, right? And that can, you know, if there's something I'm really interested in, I'll often ask at a couple stands to try and get a real sense of what it's worth. Um, you know, also you have a point here, first purchase of the day. I, I know this one, but tell us about it. It's a good one. Yeah, lots of times, especially at street markets, say along Sukhumvit Road in Bangkok, when they're first setting up their businesses, if you're like the first person to purchase something from them, they'll consider that like good luck for the day. And after they take your money, they'll like tap the money on all of the this all of the stuff on their table in order to pass that like good karma onto their stuff. So the shoppers are more willing to settle for a lower price if you're their first one, just to to get the ball rolling. Yeah, that is kind of a neat one. I've had the experience uh, many times. It's also good to just check on local customs, right? How to act. I mean, it's kind of similar through Asia, but just to know, you know, how people want to be treated and want to haggle. And another thing that's really important uh, is knowing when to haggle and when prices are fixed. I've noticed more and more markets or even casual shops in Asia over the last few years that'll have little signs saying fixed price. And they're indeed fixed, right? And it kind of annoys uh, vendors if they've got fixed price and you're trying to haggle with them. So it's good to know when not to. Yeah. And then sometimes like when there's places where there's fixed prices, they're a little bit more expensive, but they're usually higher quality too. And so that'll give you kind of like a baseline for how much a really nice something like that would cost, you know? So then if you're shopping, suppose it's like a wooden sculpture or something like that, you know? Like Artisans Dunkor in, in Cambodia, they have these really beautiful sculptures and they're set at a certain price. So then if you were to go to a different market or a different village where they're also selling similar wooden products, you could be like, oh, is this as nice? Or if it's not as nice, then I would pay less than what I saw earlier, you know? So the homework, I think, really helps or practice. And like you were saying, like, don't be in a rush, you know? Like, if you're going to spend a lot of money on something, like, take your time to to learn about the price and learn about the shop you're buying it from and practice your haggling and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, you don't want to be in a rush with something that's important to you or a high ticket item. And kind of one of my tips I have is if you have that really high ticket item and it's an option to buy it at the end of your trip, buy it then. So you don't have to be worried about this expensive thing, you know? Actually, that's good about, I mentioned the Artisans Dunkor, which has the like, mm -hmm. wooden and sandstone sculptures and whatnot. They sell their items at the airport for the same price that they sell them at all the other locations. So it's kind of yeah, nice in Cambodia. up on the way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, the one I always live by is like, if you really see something and you really like it, 
buy it because you may not see it again, right? And I've seen it happen when I used to lead tours years ago. People will be like, ooh, I kind of like that and I'll get it later. And then they don't. And then they're wasting time trying to find it. So if you really do see that thing you really like, like buy it then, right? Assume you won't see it again. Yeah, at the same time, I think sometimes everything is so cheap here. And sometimes it's literally being thrust in your face. You know, they're all like, buy this, buy this, buy this, right? And uh, you might end up just like buying a lot of stuff early on and then end up with like so much stuff towards the end. You're like, God, I can't even buy anymore. I need to get a suitcase or something. And, you know, people can pick up suitcases here at the end. um, But I find (laughs) that uh, if you want like a nice suitcase, I buy them in the U.S. They're much cheaper in the U.S. online or in like, uh, you know some outlet or something yeah and the zips work well a good little uh trick if you're an avid shopper especially if you're flying regionally in asia on discount airlines where you know uh, weight of luggage is limited is you can get bags that are kind of made out of like the same material that rice sacks will be made out of so they're really strong and a zipper buy one of those and fold it up and you can just stick it in your suitcase and if you end up with too many things pull it out and make that your, your you know stuff for the you bought shopping or just if you're overweight on your bag you throw it in yeah yeah that's a good one because those are really big they have some really good big rice bags for shipping stuff home that's a good tip but you know maybe there's a link where you can buy those i don't know where, where would people get this you'll see them around most markets and stuff for sure oh, yeah. so sure. should we get into some shopping examples now yeah, so some shopping places or examples that you could practice your haggling or where haggling comes in handy. Uh, we mentioned Sukhumvit, which is uh, one of the main thoroughfares in Bangkok. Sukhumvit and Silom both have night markets set up on the sidewalk. Um, it's a good place to practice. You could just pick something up that you're curious about and see what kind of price you can get for it. Um, you know, there's not necessarily all sorts of things you're particularly going to want to buy there uh, on Sukhumvit or Silom. It's all pretty touristy, uh, but it's a good place to practice, you know, start at like 25% of what they offer and like, uh, you know, inch your way up to 50 and, and see if you can get something uh, that you kind of like, but just to see, you know. Mm. Yeah. And the classics here, not too much newer or, you know, that's going to completely change people's trips but is mbk in bangkok i mean multiple levels everything from shirts to snacks to phones suits it's all there platinum is pretty good around pratunam and there's a lot of different night markets now which are pretty cool and they're always closing and opening so i don't want to you know recommend a particular one the russian market in Phnom Penh is also a pretty darn good place to do it too yeah, you know, in Bangkok, uh, yeah, MBK, I don't know about the JJ, obviously, the, the weekend market in Bangkok is world Great. famous, right? That could be an episode on its own. Another place I like to go is the Amarin Plaza, which is like opposite the Intercontinental Hotel next to the Grand Erewhon. They have uh, they have all sorts of like pop-up sales. So I've gotten some great sunglasses there. I bought my running shoes there. Um, just different brands have different pop-up sales throughout the year. Bangkok's great for sales. I don't know if there's a particular website that says when all the sales are everywhere, um, but mm-hmm. uh, that's a pretty good one. Yeah, I'm going to insert a guilty pleasure that I haven't done in quite a few years, but I'd say for my first decade plus, if anyone was ever selling, you know, a plate of the place you're at with your photo on it, 
I was a sucker for that. I can remember <laughs> going to a Yutia, the old capital of Thailand, north of Bangkok. There was one particular temple where as you'd go in, a photographer would get you to pose with the temple in the background, and I'd always have to buy the plate. And I also bought one at Tonlesap Lake in uh, Cambodia. Same thing. I saw this guy from a distance with a camera, and I kind of scowled at him because I didn't know what he was doing. And then when I got off the boat on the way back, he hands me a plate, and I just have to buy it, man. I can't help myself yeah i remember uh, i might have seen one or two of yours or been around you when you you got one one time do you know how many of those you you own quite a few and in the last (laughs) move my wife made me get rid of all them oh that's tragic did you take pictures of them all i did not but uh the current thing i hate people buying and it's huge in all of southeast asia it seems are elephant pants. It's this thin, light material with elephant patterns, and everyone wears them. And it seems especially couples, a female and a male, in really? matching I, elephant pants. I haven't seen too many matching couples yet. I know that would oh. particularly bother you, yeah. I still think that the best thing to do is go with the, the fisherman pants, the Thai fisherman pants that you kind of fold around the waist and then tie. Um, for 100 baht, you can get cheap ones. For like 300 or more, you can get like really nice ones, yeah, with like pockets and stuff. Um, I prefer the lightweight ones for the tropics, but I just got a pair made out of hemp that Mm -hmm. uh, were great for my trip. Like the hemp ones are really nice in in cooler weather. Um, So we'll have a link on the show notes for where you can get some hemp fisherman pants. But definitely anything better than the elephant pants. Um, Yeah, I'll say generally if you buy clothing like local style clothing when you're away, it seems like a great idea. You get home, you wear it once to a party, you look like an idiot in front of your friends, and you never wear it again. But the fisherman pants are great to have around the house. Great weekend oh. thing, solid purchase. Uh, yeah, the elephant pants got to go. The other thing, I mean, sarongs are obviously really great. Sarong is like an Indonesian or Malay kind of scarf that everybody knows what a sarong is, right? Um, but mm-hmm. my Indonesian colleague, Luke, he bought a nice Thai sarong uh, as he was passing through Bangkok on his way to London. And he wore the okay. sarong as a scarf in London. And it was really kind of nice. Yeah, sarong is handy. It can be a pillow. It could be, you know, a towel, a blanket, nice on a cold bus or something. That is worth buying for sure. But when I was in Yangon 16 years ago, I bought a longi. And Mm -hmm. and I I wore that yesterday. I mean, I I still kind of keep it in the rotation. Um, It's it's better than a sarong because it's like it's like a loop. It's one single sheet that's sewn together at the end. So it's kind of right. it's it's easier to tie off than a sarong to me. So uh, I just went into one of the big random like local markets, like one of the big main markets in Yangon. And I just grabbed like I just bought one. And uh, it's one of the best things I ever bought. And I love it. Yeah, one I think you got to be cautious of is getting suits made. And I mean, a number of countries in Southeast Asia are famous for it. And I tell you what, I I mean, we don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole because suits could be its own episode. But like, I've ended up with decent stuff in the end, but it's taken many fittings and many times. I remember the last time I bought some items like I'm a, I'm let's say a husky individual, and I went in to try in the pants, and they'd given me like some super tight Italian cut that just I put them on, and it looks so ridiculous. And even one time I got a vest made, and the buttonhole wasn't lined up with the button, or vice versa. Another one that happened one time, this is great, was you, and this is kind of common scam on lower price stuff, is you agree on a fabric, and when you go to get the suit, it's not the same fabric. It's a cheaper, not as good fabric. So you got to be on the look out for that 
Um, my friend Mark was uh, walking down Sukhumvit Road in Bangkok, and he got talked into a tailor shop by by a tailor just because he had mm-hmm. nothing to do. He was, he was just walking around; he had nothing to do. So, so he's looking around or talking to the guy or whatever, and the guy asks him, "How much would you pay for a pair of pants?" And Mark's like, "I don't, I don't want any pants." And he's like, "No, but how much would you pay?" And he's like, "Really? You know, I'm like I, I'm not in the, I'm not shopping <laughs> for clothes and stuff." So they're like, "Yeah, but but if you were shopping for pants, how much would you pay?" Yeah, and so finally, yeah. Mark Mark's like twenty dollars. And the guy goes, $20. And he shouts in the back, like, hey, this guy thinks he can buy pants for $20. You're crazy. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, you know, that's when you got to keep your happy face on. Um, I bought a really good suit off the rack in Vietnam. When I was going to business school in Ho Chi Minh City, um, I found Mm -hmm. some places that sold really great clothing, like dress shirts and dress pants off the rack. Um, and they can tailor them for you, you know, right there, but they fit, you know, which is a tricky thing buying clothes in Asia that are off the rack because sometimes you can't even fit your head through the top of the shirt, you know, or it's like a baby tee for like a man, you know? Yeah. But, but discretion here, disclosure is you're a slimmer guy, right? Like off the rack for me doesn't usually work, but yeah, I, but I just for Westerners in general, I mean, they're making most of their clothes here for Asian clientele. So there was a place in Ho Chi Minh city that, that had a, I bought a tan suit, which I, I thought like, you know, in Southeast Asia someday, I'm going to be going to the raffles and I'll need to wear a tan, like a cream suit, you know, but I think mm-hmm. I've only worn it once. So I think it's ready to break out of storage. Yeah, well, one we've noted here, both of us, is fake watches. And I mean, a lot of your markets are going to be famous for watches. And I mean, number one, bargain hard. Uh, Number two, you shouldn't buy fake stuff, Trevor. We don't support that. And Mm -hmm. when I was younger, I'd bought a couple and I had one that lasted for like an hour and I had another one that lasted for years. So it's like it can be a real crapshoot. Yeah, I never bought a fake watch, so... I don't know. I always worked, just assumed that they were going to be really bad quality. I, I had heard that there's some like much, much more high quality ones that cost a lot more. And that I gets us that into too. like the just in general. Like I remember years ago, I bought a crumpler. You know, crumpler used to make like camera bags and computer bags. It's like an Australian brand. And oh, I bought right. one of those in Ho Chi Minh City. And it was like as good as like a real one. And then that's when I learned that sometimes like some of these companies overproduce or, or they might have defective ones or they just have like, you know, they want to sell it into a local market for cheaper. So right. it's interesting that like whether they're overstock and they're real or they're damaged or they're replicas, sometimes it's hard to tell the difference, but then some stuff is just like crap and it's going to fall apart and like literally like a week, the backpack's going to break. So like it is good to like shop around for some better quality. Yeah. And a, a recent experience I had was in Indonesia. They have uh, polo stores everywhere, like in the airports and everywhere. But the price will be about 30 to 40 percent of regular polo. And in fact, there is no real polo in all of Indonesia. And a few years ago, Polo Ralph Lauren lost a lawsuit in Indonesia. So when you're there, all the polo shops are not real. They'll look like kind of nice shirts. But if you look at them real closely, they're not as good quality. So that's a kind of an interesting one. Yeah, so they, they seem to have Paul Smith there as well. And, you know, they do produce some things in some countries. In Cambodia, they sell a lot of North Face, Colombia, like outdoor gear. So there's a place in Siem Reap that sells all sorts of like winter gear that's really high quality, you know, and, and really quite low prices. Um, but then I, I bought a pair of Timberland boots in the U.S. once and they were made in Thailand, but they don't sell them in Thailand. And they're actually more expensive in Thailand because they have to be like shipped to the U.S. and then shipped back to Thailand. So yeah, that's kind of yeah, common. That happens too. One thing to be aware of is uh, if you're buying 
pirated counterfeit stuff and you're from the eu especially i know that some eu countries are really cracking down on people and looking at what they're bringing back and you can uh, face some pretty heavy fines so be careful about that if you do buy fake stuff when you're over this part of the world yeah, absolutely. It's much better to buy authentic things. And uh, even beyond that, like going back to my introductory example from Sumatra, in general, I prefer to buy souvenirs from like the, the people who actually made it, like in a village where it was made. Um, yeah, that's obviously, a good one. The, you're not going to get your North Face backpack that way. But like, you know, in my apartment here in Cambodia, I, they make these piggy banks. There's a Kempong Chenang is like a village that's famous for its pottery. Those are kind of tricky to bring home, but there's another village that we pass through that does marble carving and they make these really beautiful little wooden um, Buddhas and, you know, Cambodian uh, folklore, whatever, silk scarves from a woman who's weaving it underneath her house. Um, if you really travel and you explore the country, you know, try and keep your eyes open to getting things from communities where they specialize in those things and they make better memories than some knockoff crap from like a, you know, big market somewhere. Yeah. And you're, I mean, it's going right to the source, right? So you're not paying any middlemen and stuff like that. Um, you know, I just want to quickly throw out a few like kind of warnings i think any war souvenirs like be it like vietnam or cambodia you see a lot of them often they're just fake things made to look old or look like war things but then you're just kind of propping up a whole industry about war which i think is kind of weird um another one is like i've bought paintings generally cheap ones and i don't care if they're real or not but a lot of them come off machines and in fact i've known one artist that had so much demand he had his son painting kind of like almost like paint by number painting stuff that looked like him so you know be really cautious if you're spending a lot in art and another one i think is like cheap sunglasses like okay not bad for a day but like a lot of those cheap sunglasses are, are bad lenses that cause your pupils to dilate which actually will cause your eyes damage so like that's something you maybe don't want to skip on too much and yeah. then one item you definitely don't need is you don't need a vietnamese conical hat like yeah no point in taking <laughs> it home you're not going to wear it in germany guaranteed and definitely don't wear it in cambodia or thailand or any other country when you're traveling afterwards you know um yeah. but you know i stumbled a little bit before when i was talking about the the marble car carving villages because one of the things that i mentioned was the buddha images and uh in, in thailand in particular they're kind of sensitive about people buying images of the buddha right, to take out right. of the country and stuff like that you know um so that one's kind of tricky because I don't know. You should buy things because you think they're beautiful and you want to support a local community. And if it's an image of the Buddha or something like that, that you're going to cherish, then I think it's fine, you know. Um, but on antiques and whatnot, maybe uh, that is uh, another story altogether. But you should be super careful about, about buying antiques, not just because maybe you're getting fakes, um, but also that uh, they might not be things that you should be buying. Yeah, a lot of Southeast Asian countries or Asian countries, for that matter, have laws after these places have been pilfered and had their antiquities stolen that kind of is a blanket like can't take old things out of the country and it's to protect things from being taken so like in nepal for example beautiful brass ornaments and stuff for sale everywhere most of them that appear old are new but like they literally almost put dust on to make them look new um, which is kind of funny and a neat thing in nepal is often a lot of brass ornaments you pay by weight more so than the craftsmanship which i always thought was kind of an interesting way to buy stuff and kind of on the the, the tone of uh, knockoff 
is in Thailand especially, you'll get things like ashtrays or ornaments that look like they're dark black wood, but in mm. fact, they're just plastic. It's like kind of like an epoxy, and if you break them open, it's just this white plastic, and it's been covered in some like black paint, which is kind of funny. What about the, the penis-shaped bottle opener? So those plastic or wood, Scott? I've got a wood one that I bought in Bali, but you can't take it to Australia because bugs could get into it. But it was a gift I bought for someone, Trevor, and uh, <laughs> it's yours if you want it. I'm still happy to give it to you. Yeah, it's funny. What other kitschy things are there? The the phallic shape, whatnots are pretty common across Asia. I think a lot of cultures have, uh, you know, some sort of relationship with that. Um, I think in Japan, there's certainly some kind of thing uh, going on there. Because like in in Thailand, uh, they don't sell any sort of sex toys. They do sell some on like Silom or Sukhumvit Roads. That's about it, right? But in Japan, if you went to like Shibuya, I think is a neighborhood where they do the cosplay and everything. Um, There's probably some crazy, kitschy, cool products you can get anywhere in Tokyo. I I don't know any particularly off the head. Do you have any kind of Hello Kitty uh, back massager? (laughs) No, but I will say as I did visit an adult shop, shall we say, actually two when I was in Tokyo. And it's worth going in, man. They have some pretty uh, elaborate adult shops with all kinds of crazy products. Uh, I did buy a gift for somebody and I bought a gift uh, for my wife as well. So that is something that's worth going to buy in Japan, Trevor. Thanks for outing me on that one. Um, (laughs) You know, you touched on something earlier that is my pet peeve is you can't wear a shirt from the place while you're there like you see people in like chiang mai with elephants on it while they're in chiang mai or thailand or red bull shirts you gotta wait till you're home or in another country before you wear the shirt that you bought in a country yeah save your beer chong shirt for your trip to colombia yeah unless it's authentic i I actually had a real beer chong t-shirt from chong it was the secloso on the back so okay that's cool Yeah. yeah Another one I like to buy, but I think you got to be super careful is is cooking spices. Like I found the ones you buy in the market that are already pre-sealed and little nice packets and all that, like saffron and this and that, they're bad quality general. They're, st- they're stale. They've been in those bags forever. So if you're really serious about spices, like seek out a proper spice shop or go to a supermarket or something like that. Oh, yeah. Spice shops. And, and that was another thing I loved when I was uh, in Bali is even in the supermarkets, they have like all sorts of different types of spices that you can buy. Um, and even in the local markets, they have, you know, just piles of spices that you can pack to bring home. Uh, Kampot pepper, obviously, is a great one in, in mm. Cambodia. And that one's vacuum sealed, which is great. Um, but, you know, when I need Thai food outside of Thailand, um, the Blue Elephant makes some reasonably good packaged products. And yeah, those you, are and, right. And, uh, well, if you have a Thai person to help you shop, they'll know that, like, this particular one has a certain type of chili powder in it. And you can throw everything else away, but you just need that little packet of chili from that particular product. But, uh, yeah, I think that's some advice that's uh, gone a little too far. Yeah, those are good. (laughs) Um, You know, we have pharmaceuticals on this list and, and places like Thailand, Cambodia, India. I mean, they can be good in one sense. I don't recommend buying counterfeit drugs but a lot of these shops if you have certain pharmaceuticals you need you can buy the real pharmaceutical or a generic equivalent just over the counter but the other thing is there's a big market in fake uh, pharmaceuticals so be really careful in what you're buying Um, the other thing is you got a bargain at some of these shops i bought a certain pharmaceutical for a friend and i had to go to a couple shops and one shop quoted me three times the price as another shop yeah i believe that i mean if you go to like uh 
some flashy chain pharmacy that looks like a 7-Eleven and has a real pharmacist, like a licensed pharmacist inside. Um, you'll probably, like the Ucare, let's say, in Cambodia. Like Ucare yeah. is pretty safe that you're going to get whatever drugs that they have that are real, often from France. And uh, it's all legit and they're really reasonably priced. I think I bought some for someone in Singapore and, and the drugs were like a quarter of the price here that they were in Singapore. But in Bangkok, a lot of these, they have like big Chinese pharmacies. And like, if you find like a huge Chinese pharmacy, like the shit in there is legit. But those are the kind of places where you're probably going to have to haggle a bit. Yeah, yeah. And on the fake note is fake booze. Um, often it comes from Myanmar, maybe made in China, buy it in Laos. But you got to be kind of careful. Like if you get the super cheap bottle of Johnny Walker Black, pretty good chance it's not a real one. And I'm pretty sure one time I had a bottle of Jack Daniels, it wasn't real. I know my Jack Daniels pretty well. And Jack isn't that popular over here. So they tend to focus on the really popular stuff. But I had a bottle once it just did not taste right. And fake booze is getting more and more of a, a thing over here. Yeah, and it can be dangerous too. So uh, stick to the rice whiskey with the cobra in it. Yeah, absolutely. Those are for sale everywhere. You probably shouldn't support it because I guess you're supporting putting Cobras in bottles of uh, bottles of wine. Probably not cool. Yeah, you you mentioned Instagram here, and this is something I only heard of recently. What's the story with that? Well, you know, when I was working at Two Magazine, because the, it's like a fashion magazine and there's lots of fashion people involved, um, I realized that a lot of them have their own Instagram pages where they sell clothes or bags or, or whatnot, or even like different fashion people have their own things that, that they'll sell through their Instagram pages. So I don't really use that for shopping, but I have a bunch of links I can share on our show notes. If people want to buy some cool uh, new fashion, handbags, clothes, shoes, whatever, things like that uh, in Thailand, at least I know. Go to our yeah, show I notes. I had no idea this was a thing. And our friend Greg Jorgensen from Bangkok Podcast, his wife makes bags. And she said she sells them on Instagram. And See? she's selling a lot of them. And I there was like, go. what? Like, had so, no clue. We'll have some links on our show notes, www.talktravelasia.com. And this is episode 90, Shopping Tips and Tricks in Asia. Um, one last tip that I thought of was on mm. VAT, like a value-added tax. But it's, yeah, it's a good I, don't, I've, I don't think I've ever really done it because uh, you have to be a tourist and you have to collect receipts from a certain number of places. And, and mm -hmm. it can be kind of tricky. But if you are doing some serious shopping, um, I know at central department stores in Bangkok, they have little flyers that tell you everything, how to do it. Otherwise, we should give a link. Yeah, it can be tricky. I purchased a NAS, like a box that holds a bunch of hard drives mm. and a system. So I was spending over a thousand sing and I was able to get a receipt, but it depends on the country. But like in Singapore, you have to shop at a store that's part of the VAT program. Then you have to get this VAT receipt. Then when you go to the airport, regardless of the country, generally you have to show the merchandise. So it can save you some money, but uh, bank on an extra 30 minutes to do that. But it can save you a good chunk of change. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And, and now that I think of it, I remember uh, Ed Knuth, who's uh, from Bangkok Podcast. He was uh, he was my roommate many years ago, and he asked me to buy him a camera in Singapore. Um, and he, he said he would have gone himself because it was actually cheaper for the airfare and the, the camera in Singapore than it was to buy the camera just in Thailand. And uh, I'm sure we probably got a VAT return on that. Wow, that's a pretty good one. Well, uh, just before we wrap this one up, 
We opened a Patreon page a while ago, and we've done a really bad job monitoring it. And I want to give some thanks here to a few people. Um, back in September, we had Stephanie Rowe, Craig Onslow uh, donate, but we give a shout out because Patrick Alaspa, I hope I said that right, donated $5. Shout out level. Thank you, Patrick. And then for this month, Peta Smith, who requested the Minmar episode number 89, she donated. Thank you. And Austin Clinton. So thank you to those patrons. And please do do support us literally you know we pay all of this at our own pocket we'd love to start uh, breaking even or making a profit you can find the patreon link on the left side of our homepage. otherwise uh, thanks for listening we have a ton of fun doing this and uh, i'm going to let you take us out trevor so thanks very much everyone trevor take us out yeah thanks everyone for supporting the show um scott and i have just been trying to to get to 100 on our own but if we get some support then then maybe we'll keep going with it i think we uh hopefully saved you some money on shopping on your next trip to asia i think uh you know we'll be square if you just click on the link go to the show notes go to the patreon uh, link or visit uh our friends instagram pages and uh and buy yourself some fisherman pants uh, on the show notes so thanks for listening we'll be back in two weeks uh bye-bye Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall in Kortong and Kampu?